Hi, friends. I'm Tim Viegas from the Maryland Coalition for Inclusive Education, and you are listening to Think Inclusive, our podcast that brings you conversations about inclusive education and what inclusion looks like in the real world. Arthur Aston is a resident of New Jersey. He was born with a birth defect called spina bifida in 1981. This diagnosis has impacted his mobility and requires Arthur to use leg braces and crutches. He also uses a wheelchair at times. Being a lifelong self-advocate, in his adult years, Arthur began advocating for others and developed a passion and mission for changing the way society as a whole sees those who have disabilities. Arthur is a content producer for the New Jersey Coalition for Inclusive Education, where he is the host of the Inclusion Think Tank podcast. For the last 10 years, he has also worked as executive director of Build Jake's Place, a nonprofit that creates inclusive playgrounds and manages the Camden County New Jersey Miracle League, an inclusive baseball league for children and adults who have disabilities. In this episode, Arthur shares his personal journey of living with spina bifida and how it led him to become an advocate for inclusive education. He discusses the importance of inclusive education and the need for students with and without disabilities to learn together. Arthur also highlights the work of NJCIE in providing professional development and consulting services to promote inclusive education in schools. This week's episode is brought to you by MCIE's Inclusion Stories, our five-part podcast series that tells the stories of families, educators, and school systems on their journey to full and authentic inclusive education for each and every learner. All five parts of Inclusion Stories will be available on Friday, December 22nd, 2023. Follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast player. After a short break, my interview with Arthur Aston. And for free time this week, we are going to Arkansas to learn about the All In Initiative. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Arthur Aston, uh, welcome to the Think Inclusive podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I'm excited. We haven't really had a chance to talk, and it's you know you work for an organization, uh, the New Jersey Coalition for Inclusive Education, and you know our work is very similar. Although I don't know a ton about what you do, so I'm excited to learn that, and I'm excited to learn about you and you know what you bring to the role as a, as a podcaster. Yes. Yes. I'm excited to uh, share a little bit about my story and, um, you know, and, and have this great conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's just start off at the, you know, well, wherever you want to start off, I guess, why don't we start with um, what brought you to the work at uh, NJ uh, CIE? So um, that, begins a, a long time ago, although I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> um, I was born with uh, spina bifida. So I had a hole in my back when I was born. It uh, has impacted my mobility. So I walk with leg braces and crutches for short distances. I also use a wheelchair for um, longer distances. And also, um, you know, for instance, I was at a golf tournament yesterday. So it's more comfortable for me to sit in my wheelchair versus, you know, a regular chair. Um, so I will use uh, my wheelchair for those types of things. Um, and then uh, 2010, I was a full grown adult at that time, but I ended up having a conversation with my then nine-year-old nephew where um, I found out that he was quite hurt and offended that um, his classmates, when I picked him up from school, his classmates were staring at me and kind of laughing and, and that kind of thing. Um so then I, I was like, well, it doesn't bother me, you know, not saying it shouldn't bother you, but um, just go back and tell them who I am. Tell them, um, you know, what I do, who I am, and that we do a whole bunch of things. We travel and all of that. So I, um, and in that moment, I, I had like an aha moment, as they say, where I wanted to start doing something to um, help change the way that people see those who have disabilities, so I uh, started speaking in schools and um, just sharing my story with uh, the students and helping them realize that it's okay to be different and, um, you know, to, to ask questions and, and to learn about those who are different than you, whether it's a disability or some other difference that someone may have. Um, and then that work uh, led me into another nonprofit where uh, called Build Jake's Place, where we build inclusive playgrounds. Uh, so I've been working with them for uh, a little over 10 years now. And then um, in the summer of 2021, I became uh, uh, an employee with NJCIE. And it's, uh, it's, it's so interesting how my life just, uh, you know, led to all of these uh, different great experiences where I get to uh, work with others who have disabilities, people who are like myself. And um, again, just working on uh, my original goal and my original passion of uh, changing the tone of conversation around disabilities. So uh, being connected with NJCIE has been, um, you know, a really great experience for me uh, so far in just the two years that I've been there, just about uh, hosting the podcast for them. And, um, you know, I'm learning a lot myself about inclusive education and, uh you know, it's just a really great experience that I've that I've been having so far, and looking forward to uh, what is to come. 
So what was your experience like in school? Because you said you were born with spina bifida. Spina bifida. Um, mm-hmm. So was your school experience, um, you know, different, difficult, just fine? Or I, um, I was always in the um, uh, the general education setting. Uh, I was never uh, in a separate classroom from my peers. And um, it, it helped for me, I can say, looking back now at, uh, as a 40, almost 42-year-old, um, I can say now that going to a very small elementary school helped out a lot. Um, it allowed us to have those conversations with, you know, with my classmates. And I grew up in the 80s and, and they had a... Um, a puppet show actually that was called new kids on the block. Yes. After that uh, great boy band of the eighties <laughs> um, where they brought the puppet show. I remember this, they brought the puppet show to my school to explain disabilities. And so that started a great conversation because it brought it down to, you know, our level as elementary school kids. Uh, I was in kindergarten or first grade when they, they brought this in and um you know, again, it just opened up that conversation and allowed me to, um, you know, meet some great people and, and have conversations with them. And uh, again, at almost 42 years old, I still uh, have some of those same friends. <laughs> so uh, growing up in a small setting helped uh, in that aspect. And then growing up in middle school, um, there was a concern with, because I used the crutches, there was a concern going to a, a public school that had, you know, over a thousand kids. So my parents did send me to a private school um, for seventh seventh and eighth grade. Um, but I have an older sister who went to the public school in our neighborhood. And I was like, wait, <laughs> I want to go there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that's when I actually got my first wheelchair because they said it would be safer for me and not, you know, not to get bumped around by all the students, not, not saying they would do it on purpose, but you know, things happen. There's a tile floor, something could be wet or a paper or a pen could be on the floor and I would easily fall. So, um, uh, ninth grade, I started at the, uh, public, uh, high school there and, um, you know, again, met new friends and and still friends with those people today. So I, I had a really good uh, uh, education, um, you know, experience. I would say, and of course, it didn't come without its challenges and and just my own challenges. Um, I still can't, uh, you know, it's, I still can't figure out if it's because of my uh, because of my disability or I just don't like math. Um, you know, could be one or the other, <laughs> a little bit of both. <laughs> so, um, you know, math is, is just something that was difficult for me. And there there were some, some studies done about, uh, you know, being able to do those types of tasks and having a, dis- a disability like spina bifida and how it could be impacted, uh, you know, on things like math and cognitive function and things like that. Um, but again, it's just something that I just didn't understand. It was never... Um, <laughs> was never uh, an excuse that I used, like, oh, I can't do it because I have spina bifida. Uh, right. Although I might have tried, but um, it just wasn't, <laughs> just wasn't flying with my parents or, or the teachers. <laughs> but, um, you know, so, so like, I guess with every student, uh, you know, having different challenges or different subjects that they don't care for, some they like more than others. I, uh, you know, but I, I had a really good uh, experience education-wise and the teachers, I remember. Uh, you know, I can remember certain t- 
teachers that were really helpful and wanted to um, wanted me to succeed like everybody else and really worked with me through uh, different challenges that I may have had. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, uh, and don't un- don't underestimate the power of puppetry, I guess, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> who who knew? <laughs> who knew? Who knew? Yet yeah, so <laughs> it's uh there's a it's kind of a joke around in my family that um you know, I'm in my mid 40s and I grew up with the Muppets, you know, mm-hmm. and Sesame Street and like, you know, yes. that was my jam. And so <laughs> You know, when it came back around, you know, and so like some of the the newer Muppet movies, I'm like, oh, my kids are going to love this. They're just going to love puppets. And they're like, no, dad, no, no, no we do not love puppets. I'm like, come on, you know? Right. And so I don't know, maybe it's a generational thing, but, you know, when you said puppet show, I'm like, man, I want, I want a puppet show. Right. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting how. You know, and and speaking of uh, things like the Muppets and Sesame Street and all of that, like now you see and you hear that they have different um, Muppets, different characters now that have certain disabilities. So it's like, wow, that's really cool. I have friends that'll text me or email me and uh, show me pictures like, oh, my daughter is obsessed with this character that, you know, that's in a wheelchair and, you know, says it reminds her of you. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's cool. That's great. <laughs> yeah, so it's great to yeah. see the uh, the whole evolution of it. And my whole thing is it's like going to the different places where you see these characters. I'm like, they're kind of scary. Like, let's, <laughs> let's be real about that. Like they're a little, they're a little scary sometimes to be in full, you know, full size and all of that, but <laughs> really funny. <laughs> uh, so um, why is inclusive education in you know, specifically, you know, learners with and without disabilities learning together. And, you know, I, I know there's a whole, there's a lot more to it than that, but why is that important to you? I think it's um, very important because we, it's, it's, I always say like, I, I have a disability and it's like, I live in your neighborhood. I shop in your stores. I, you know, go to the same malls as you. And, you know, we all have to interact and, and get along with each other. And I think that, um, starting in in a school setting where we're first, I I guess that's like one of the first places we're taught how to, um, you know, interact with each other um, and learn from each other because it's, you know, the sharing thing that we're, you know, we're first taught when, you know, you have to share and, um, but we can all learn from each other, I think. And um, it's a little, a little bit different, but I was having a conversation with people yesterday about accessibility and I said, you know, accessibility is helpful to everybody. Everybody can use a ramp. Where not everybody can use a set of stairs because of their disability necessarily. Um, you know, everybody can use a ramp, whether you have a disability or not. So it, and I think inclusivity as a whole is uh, beneficial and helpful to everybody. And um, again, it gives us a chance to learn from each other. And it also, um, in my experience of sharing my story with students, uh, typically I would uh, do presentations in classroom settings. So there's 25, maybe 30 students. They are so, they were so open with sharing their own stories of saying like, oh, I have autism. And, you know, mm. all the other students in the classroom are like, what? Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. You know, so we're sharing, 
sharing our experiences with each other and just learning from each other, I think is the biggest um, takeaway that I, that I can see from, um, you know, having inclusive uh, education, inclusive settings in, uh, in the schools. Yeah. I, I think you great you, I think you make a great point about being vulnerable in telling your story and then that allowing other allows other people to also be vulnerable and, mm-hmm. you know, and say, and say who they are. Cause a lot of times we'll, we'll, you know, even with our coworkers, we, we go and we, we do something and it, it is until someone opens up and says something personal right. that it starts the ball rolling. Right. Right. Yeah. It does. It really, um, it, it kind of like gives you that like silent permission to like say like, oh, okay, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it, it brings it back to, um, I think the we, you know, we, we are more alike than we are different. And it's, um, you know, I think that helps with having everybody in the same setting and things like that. I think it really helps, um, you know, bring that point out that, that we have more, uh, we have more things in common than we do differences. So in the, so in, in your organization, uh, NJCIE, um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about, uh, your work, your mission as an organization and the, the services that you offer? Yeah. So, um, as I mentioned, I'm fairly new to the organization, just under two years. I started in July of, uh, 2021, which is so hard to believe that that was, uh, so long ago already. I know, I know, right. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, wow, that went by really fast. Um, but a little bit about, uh, NJCIE, we, um, were formally incorporated as a nonprofit, um, back in 1995. So uh, we've been around for um, quite some time. And the one thing that really, uh, or the the few things I should say that drew me to the organization um, is that we really uh, believe that, um, you know, having uh, inclusive education setting is a uh, fundamental right for every student. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that really touched me because again, we, People with disabilities, um, in my experience, I would say, are sometimes like forgotten about um, in in certain areas. So to um, connect with an organization that believes that like all students should be uh, welcomed in the classroom and valued as leaders uh, and learners is, um, you know, really, really great thing that that really drew me to the organization and wanted me um, inspired me, I should say, to find out more about this, um, you know, about the organization. And as far as our services, we offer professional development uh, opportunities for schools and teachers and, and leaders within the school and also uh, consultant and coaching services. And uh, just in my few years of working uh, with NJCIE, I love that um, we have a winter and a summer conference. So that's really great to see so many people uh, that come together from our state and, you know, I'm sure outside of the state as well uh, to join and and just to learn together and learn again, learning from each other, I think is um, a really big thing that, uh, that I love about that. Um, You know, that we have those conferences when it's coming up in in June that I'm looking forward to uh, attending again and and just, uh, 
being around so many people that find inclusive education to be important and necessary and um, to make these these changes happen is uh, is really cool. Have have you seen since the since coming on in you know being like a in in the work day to day have you seen an increase in educators really like wanting to find out more about inclusive education yes even just you know i won't say just um with hosting the podcast um you know, getting the different uh, feedback. And just in my own personal life, I have a lot of friends who, um, you know, who've listened to the podcast and they're, uh, they're teachers and they really uh, are so interested in it. And just hearing the feedback from, you know, uh, like, oh, I like that question. And like, you really, <laughs> you know, you really got into that one question with the one guest and um, just hearing, uh hearing that and then listening to uh, like your podcast and other podcasts. I know we've connected through uh, a group that we put together of um, some other podcasts, other podcasters and, um, you know, just learning from everybody. And um, I I think it is really making a difference. And uh, in the world of podcasting, I think it makes it so easy because people can listen to it wherever Um, and having it at your, you know, your, fingertips and and literally on your phone <laughs> you can listen to it on your uh on your way to work or from work uh while you're cleaning the house or just you know hanging out sitting around doing nothing sitting on your porch on a nice spring day um it really does um open up that door for more access to learn about inclusive education to have um things like podcasts and you know youtube videos and channels and things like that so i i've really seen uh, and heard great feedback from, um, you know, different people that have found my podcast and uh, with NJCIE and, and just, uh, you know, really appreciate it and the work that that is being done uh, in this world of inclusive education. <clears throat> yeah, and let's make sure to to say the name of it. So it's called the Think Tank. Wait, it's the, the Inclusion, Inclusion Think, Tank. Think Tank podcast. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Inclusion Think Tank podcast uh, by NGACIE. You can listen to wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm assuming because yes. uh, I've basically found it when, whenever I've tried to find it, so it's there. <laughs> yes, yeah, we're all over the place. We uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, we are there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, are there some certain either things that you've uh, learned from hosting the podcast, like just as far as information or any particular guests that stand out that you're like, Oh man, that was, that was amazing. That was something I really learned a lot about. I can say the, one of the things that um, it goes back to what I was just saying really in an, in an opposite direction though, of having something at your fingertips and and things happening fast. The one thing I've learned that inclusive, inclusive education takes time. <laughs> we want everything <laughs> yeah. to happen fast. <laughs> that's just <laughs> that's not so the case. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. And, and one of the most, uh, frequent things that I hear from my guests. You know, it takes time. You will see, um, you know, you, you will see little little steps or what you might perceive as being little steps, but you're moving in the right direction. Keep at it. Don't give up just because you don't see the big success right away, you know, within the first uh, couple of months or the first year that you're uh, working toward. 
uh, having an inclusive school, it takes time. <laughs> so just stay with it. Don't, uh, you know, don't get tired of, of the work that you're doing because it is making a difference. And um, it's, uh, I'm not sure when this will, when this episode will air, but I am working on an episode now where uh, my guest says to find success in the little successes. Mm. So, you know, again, just to keep going. And I, I I told her, I said, that's not just good advice for the inclusive education role. That's like good life advice. <laughs> oh, so <laughs> just true. To, yeah, <laughs> just to to find uh, the success in the little things and celebrate those things because um, it is happening. But that's, I think that's one of the most frequent uh, things that my guests say, that, that it, it takes time. You have to stick with it and... Um, believe in, in what you're doing that is that it is making a change ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I mean, I'm, I'm with you, Arthur, because... You, you, you talk about like getting feedback and there's so many more podcasts about inclusive education. You know, like when I started in 2012, um, there, there were a few people putting out, you know, some episodes. Uh, I remember the inclusive classroom. I don't know if you ever mm -hmm. uh, listened to the inclusive classroom, Nicole Eredix. I know that I, I think Nicole, yes. um, did some, did some speaking for NGCIE, right? Yes. She was, and she was a guest on my podcast as well. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yep. That's right. Yeah. So Nicole's been, you know, at this a long time and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and there's so many more resources, whether they're books or, uh, podcast episodes, um, people speaking, uh, even more organizations providing consultation around mm -hmm. inclusion and, and, you know, co-teaching and, uh, systems change. It's, there's just so much more out there, uh, than, than there was. And so that to me, it seems like, well, there must be more demand for mm -hmm. that sort of information. So the more we can get the word out there, you know, so if you're listening and you want to start a podcast, you know, do it. <laughs> if you want yes. to go out there and write a book, go do it, you know? Yes. Yes. There is, um, you know, it's, and, and I think uh, I've, I've heard conversations about since, especially since uh, 2020, the podcasting world has kind of uh, been bombarded with new uh, podcasts and things, but it's like, there's room for all of us. And that's right. And we're, we're all bringing our own different perspectives. And 
um, just in, in the interviews that I've done uh, for the NJCIE podcast, I, um, I'm able to share parts of my story, um, you know, with the guests, they're telling certain things and it, it, you know, reminds me of something that happened in my life. And it's just like, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, so I'm having like a trip down memory lane and I get to uh, share little pieces of, of my world and what it was like uh, for me uh, being in, in a classroom and having a, a physical disability. And um, so it's, you know, there's room for all of us to share our stories and to, uh, again, like you said, write that book, start that podcast, do, just do it. <laughs> it's all helping and uh, it's all helping to move us forward in the right direction. Um, so thinking about educators, I know that there's a lot of educators that listen to uh, the Inclusion Think Tank and uh, and this podcast. What are some tips that you've gleaned from either you know your work at NGCIE or just the guests that you've had um, for people who want to move inclusive education forward in their school or district, but you know maybe just don't know where to start? I think it's. Again, I, I think it's just like we were just, what like what we just said to start, you mm. know, to just do something um, to uh, you know to get that ball rolling and to um, you know again just it can be something very small. Uh, it doesn't have to be a, a great big <laughs> you know great big project that makes everybody you know shocked and and say like oh wow. Um, it can it just just the important part I think is to start doing something um, and, and realizing that um, and believing that you, what you will do will, you know, cause a change and um, cause other people to get on board. Um, I think that's a, a really, really big thing that um, it scares a lot of people. I think uh, makes people nervous, but um, you know, we have to, we all have to start somewhere. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I think that's a, a really big thing. <clears throat> I, I know that when, so I, I don't know how much you know about my story, but so I started in um, teaching in segregated self-contained classrooms. So, uh, you know, I taught in classrooms for 13 years and then three years as a support specialist um, for, for a district in Georgia. And when I first started teaching, um, I had an idea of what inclusion was um, and that there was a, a movement outside of just your regular typical school district mm -hmm. to make schools and districts more inclusive. So learners, you know, so like a systematic effort for, for learners to be, you know, moved into uh, general education classrooms from segregated spaces Um but I never, like, I wasn't able to teach in those spaces because the schools that I worked at, you know, historically had segregated students. So, you know, if I worked at an elementary school and there were self-contained or that we, in, I worked in California at the time, so they were called special day classes, you know, which they still have, um, you know, I wanted to be inclusive, you know, but mm -hmm. I wasn't like, I can't, I can't change the, I can't change the culture of the, the school. I, I felt kind of powerless, you know? Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wonder if, if you ever uh, run across educators who, who maybe are even like, don't know what to do because they work in this type of environment, right? Or feel ashamed that they do work in this kind of environment. Like, like let's say you work in a special school, you know, cause they're mm-hmm. still out there, mm-hmm. you know, in some States, um, you know, I remember having conversations in early in, in the podcast, um, you know, with think inclusive uh, and semi joking to my guests, like, should I quit my job? <laughs> you know, like, and so I'm, I'm just wondering if that's something you ever run across and like in who you speak with and your organization, if that's something you have to deal with, like, as far as like mindsets like that. Yeah. Me, me personally, no, I, I have not, um, you know, run in, into that situation, but it is, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure it is something that has happened uh, for people. I know here in New Jersey, we do have uh, special services schools, uh, you know, for, for those who have disabilities. Um, but it, it's not something that I have, um, you know, run in, into with uh, anyone that I've had interactions with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it, it, you know, I'm sure it has to be a tough you know, a tough decision to make. Like you said, you know, you're kind of joking about it. Like, do you leave this job? And, you know, but it's like, uh, you know, I want to make a, I want to make a change, but it's, uh, you know, it's hard. It can be difficult to do. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 But I think what you said before about it just starting, right. Even if Mm -hmm. it's, even if it's small, uh, to consistently and, and constantly be working towards a system. And for me, I know it was more of like, you know, what's my long-term exit strategy, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what ended up, um, allowing me to leave in 2020 to, to join, um, the Maryland coalition for inclusive education, because, um, you know, I doing, I had done all of this side work Mm -hmm. through the blog and the podcast, and that actually allowed me to, you know, move away and go into communications. So, um, that, that's just that that's how I did it. It's certainly not for everyone. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so tell me, um, you, you said you're working on some podcast episodes. Um, do you have like, how do you structure your, your show? Is it, do you have certain themes that you go or are you, you mostly like find educators in New Jersey that are doing this work or like help me understand the, your process. Yeah. So, um, this is, we're, uh, getting toward the end of what we're calling the second season. Um, so the first season, uh, was, uh, the guest list was heavy on, um, uh, our inclusion facilitators at NJCIE and the work that they do, um, to share their stories and, um, how they came from, uh, a lot of them came from uh, being teachers and and getting into this work. Um, And then this second season, we focused on um, uh, school leadership, uh, those in school leadership positions, and how they can, um, you know, help uh, bringing the uh, inclusive education conversation to their schools and uh, working with, uh, again, I mentioned our uh, spring and summer conferences um, or our winter and, and summer conferences that we have. 
uh, at NJCIE and having some of those uh, previous and uh, future presenters uh, on the podcast to talk about um, leadership and, and how we can, um, you know, how we can all be a leader in our school to, um, you know, to help help continue that uh, bringing inclusive education to our, our schools. And, uh, you know, once we're wrapping up this season, we'll figure out uh, what our new uh, topics will be for uh, for the fall, which is when we'll probably start, uh, you know, the, the next season of, of the podcast and uh, what direction that will go in. And it's really, um, again, I, I think having, for me, like listening to all of the guests that I have the conversations with, um, everybody brings something different to the conversation, you know, so it's, it's, it's great to have, um, you know, a podcast that's strictly focused on inclusive education, because um, I think the topics are, you know, they're like endless, you can really <laughs> come up with different topics, or you can ask the same person, the same question, and they have a totally different answer because of their experiences that they bring. Um, which is, it's so interesting to me. I, I love that part of it because it's, um, you know, again, I, I can ask the same four people uh, the same question and they come up with four different answers and it's just like, yes, they're all great and they're all correct answers. Like, that's really cool. <laughs> do you <laughs> so have like it, a, do you have like a go-to question? Um, I start off with, um, uh, a lot of times, not every episode, but a lot of episodes, um, like what does inclusive education mean to you? What does that look like? Um, and that's that's a great question to ask because it really, again, it brings their own personal perspective and their own um, life experiences to that answer. Um, so it's not anything that... Uh, that's not a, a book answer that you can learn from reading a book. It's just like, what is it to you? What does it look like to you? It's a personal question. Um, and just having different, uh, the different guests answer it. It's always uh, fun. And I also like to ask, um, I'm interested in people's stories. That's just a personal thing of me, of my own. Um, and how did, uh, as you just shared your story and your journey of, of getting to where you are in your career and, um, and the work that you're doing now, um, I love hearing how people, how they started and when did they first learn about inclusive education. And um, I had a guest on that talked about uh, volunteering at a summer camp for people with disabilities. Um, you know, and it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of my own story. It's like I've had a disability my whole life. So it's always been there, but it took my the conversation with my nephew to really say like, oh, <laughs> you know, right. I, yeah. I've had people stare at me my whole life. I just, you know, I don't, it doesn't bother <laughs> me. But but the fact that it bothered my nephew bothered me. <laughs> I was like, wait. That, yeah, that is, that's interesting. Is you, you really took that personally. Yes. You know, whereas you didn't take it personally when they were just staring at you without the right. additional person. Yes. Yeah. Cause I, I grew up that way the, my whole life. And my parents would say, Oh, people will stare. It's just, you know, you're different. You look different. You know, it's nothing, there's nothing wrong. And so I'm like, okay, cool. 
but I, here I am, you know, uh, what, almost 30 years old at the time. And my nephew says it irritated him and he got upset about it. I'm like, oh, we have to fix this. <laughs> <laughs> Something needs to be done, <laughs> you know? And, and it was like, first of all, it was like, okay, number one, calm down about it. Like, it's not a big deal. Go in and tell them who I am. Tell them that I drive. Tell them that we take trips together. Uh, you know, he knows my, you know, my story. Tell him, <laughs> tell him about me. He's like, yeah. oh, okay. Like, there's nothing to be upset about. It happens. It's, I'm, I'm okay. And I think he was more upset that I would be upset. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm fine. Like, it happens. <laughs> and I didn't even, I didn't even notice it. That was the crazy thing. I'm like, who was staring at me? He was like, the kids at the school. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it's really, uh, it's really interesting. So, like I said, I, I love hearing um, people's journeys and, and their stories of how they got to where they are um, and the connection they have to uh, disabilities and uh, or not, and just how they uh, became so passionate about um, inclusive education, I, th I think, is, is one of my favorite things about, uh, you know, favorite questions to ask uh, for the guests on the podcast. <laughs> Do you think that there is still like a, voices that are missing from the conversation? Um, you know, I, I think about this, you know, when we're deciding who, you know, what kind of guests are on Think Inclusive or just in general, like as we're approaching a, a school district on, on developing a shared understanding of inclusive education, like, mm -hmm the voices that may potentially be missing. So in your view, um, who, who are the voices that, that we're not hearing enough of? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if they're necessarily missing. Um, but I would, I would like to hear more, um, from those who have disabilities. Um, to be included in the conversation. And I know that can be difficult when you're uh, working with children, especially. Um, but I would, I would love to hear, you know, the perspective of the students that are involved in, um, you know, in, in, in these schools that are, um, you know, working toward an inclusive uh, setting or, or not, and just hear their experiences and, and what they, um, you know, what they are dealing with and, and what might frustrate them about this whole, uh, the whole process of it all. Um, or even, um, you know, uh, those who, who may be older that have had to uh, work through, you know, a non-inclusive setting in their uh, school experience. And just to hear uh, the real life stories of, um, of those who, who had to go through this experience. Going back again to my conversations yesterday, I was talking with one of my friend's parents and um, <laughs> uh, her, her dad said to me, you know, oh, my daughter, she's, uh, you know, she's really involved in, in the work and trying to make things better for those with disabilities. He said, and I understand what she does. And he said, but hearing your real life experiences of it, <laughs> he said, that just took it a whole new to a whole new level. He said, wow. He said, it, it's, he said my daughter's been doing this work for a while. And, and I, I got what she was saying, but 
to hear that it actually happens to a real-life person who I'm sitting next to talking to all day. <laughs> he was like, wow. And I think that's what, I, I think sometimes that's what is needed um, to really ha- make people have that, like, aha moment and say, like, oh, wow, like, this is real. It's not just something that people are making podcasts about. Um, you know, or, or creating YouTube channels about this is a real thing that happens to real people that we all know. Um, <clears throat> so I, I think to, um, again, like I said, I, I, I don't know if I would say that the voices are missing, but, um, you know, to, to continue to include those who uh, have the disabilities, because um, it's one thing to hear it from teachers or um, those in school leadership positions and even parents, uh, but when possible to hear from the actual uh, student who this is impacting um, directly, I think is uh, something really, really important that we can't uh, we can't overlook. Anything else you want to to share with educators as they you know listen to this conversation? I think I would just say. Um, you know, what I've said before, which is to um, to start somewhere and to um, and if you have started, keep going that it takes time. <laughs> um, it takes time, patience and dedication, and uh, it will pay off in the end. It's a, uh, you know, what it's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, which which is very frustrating, and especially again in in today's time where everything is, you know, we need it to happen yesterday. Um, it's it's not a fast thing. So, I, I think that is uh, to stay encouraged through this whole thing is, um, you know, most important is what I would share with with others. Stay tuned for the mystery question right after this break. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Oh, this is this, this seems too perfect. So, did you have a favorite teacher or a teacher who made a big impact on your life? Oh, wow. <laughs> right? It's not even education themed. No, look at that. <laughs> oh, wow. Um Yes. So I would say, um, well, she was, she was the school nurse at my school. So, um, and I, I, I bring her up because she's still a very good friend of our family. Now I actually call her my aunt. Um, she was the first person that I met at the elementary school. It's aunt Bonnie. And she, um, of course, when any parent sends a child to school for the first time, they are nervous about a lot of things. Um, but at that time, um, you know, I was starting kindergarten, I guess it was. Um, I still had, I was still going through surgeries and things because of my spina bifida. I didn't have control of my bowels or my bladder at that time. So my parents were really just like, eh, do we want to do this? Uh, she really helped put all of us at ease and really looked out for me and um, just really made um, made me feel comfortable with my, you know, disability diagnosis and my whole situation. I was, um, you know, I was wearing Depends at the time, diapers at the time, because I didn't have control. Um, so just to... Um, she was very instrumental in again helping facilitate those conversations and the uh and the puppet show situation uh, <laughs> the puppet show to, yes yes to make everybody <laughs> to make everybody more comfortable with um you know with me and being a new student at the school and and all of that and um just and and ever since then like i've been on vacation with her up um up uh in long island she had a, a house at the Jersey Shore, I would go for the weekend with her. Like, this was after I was out of the elementary school. And, um, you know, we spend like Christmas Eves together and things like that and just hanging out. So um, she she really just helped, um, was a big part in me um, learning more about myself and um, being comfortable with myself of having a disability and, and being... Um, you know, at that time, being the only one in the school that had a um, a visible disability, I'll say, um, mm-hmm. you know, that was a physical disability. So, uh, yeah, I would I would say her. <laughs> oh, well, shout out to school nurses and nurses yes. everywhere. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, so my wife, my wife is a nurse, uh, oh, an yeah. RN. Yeah. Um, so I know, I know, nurses are amazing. Yes. So, um, <laughs> So this is hard, uh, but the teacher that first came to mind uh, when I read the question uh, was would have to have to be my fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Winchester. Um, I have always had a problem, not a problem. I've always struggled with self-esteem. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's weird because, you know, most people think I'm an extrovert because I have a podcast. I'm definitely not an extrovert. Mm-hmm. Um, I like my alone time. <laughs> and uh, and so being around a lot of people, you know, is, is something that I I do like sometimes, but not all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so Mrs. Winchester knew uh, this about me and she encouraged me to run for my uh, as a class president and 
And so, you know, we had like 20, I don't know, 20, 30 kids. It's hard to remember at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember giving a speech and I remember there was voting and I, I distinctly remember um, putting, you know, we did a, had a class vote and I remember like putting my head down on the, the my desk mm-hmm. and everyone would raise their hand and, and whatever. And she like tallied up the thing. And, um, and so she announced me that I had won class president and I was like, so completely floored <laughs> that this had happened to me because it's not like, I'm not like a, po- I wasn't like a popular kid. Not, not that I was like, not, not popular or whatever. Mm-hmm. It just, I, I would have never done it unless she had, um, she had encouraged me to do that. And I really think that that was one of the reasons why I started looking into more leadership things in, you know, in middle and high school. And, um, and even in my career, it was uh, something that really propelled me, uh, that someone believed in me, right. Mm -hmm. Someone believed that I could do it. And, uh, and it, I just have that really great memory. And I remember I graduated from, I went to a, I went to a private school. It was a K eight uh, mm-hmm. school and in um, middle school, uh, as I was about to graduate, you know, she had, she was still there and, and uh, she was just so supportive of me, you know, as graduating, going to high school wow. and saying, I, you know, I always knew that you had it in you, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, thank you, Mrs. Winchester for believing yeah. in me. And, um, I'll always remember that. Yes. That was a great question. That was a great question. <laughs> Arthur Aston, thank you so much for being on the Think Inclusive podcast. I really yes. appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was great. Had a great time. Good conversation. <laughs> That chime means it's free time. And this week, I'm going to share a short interview I did with Jeff Adams, the Arkansas Director of Special Education. MCIE had the pleasure of providing an all-day professional learning experience for state technical service providers. And let me tell you, apart from being very passionate about inclusion, they are equally passionate about Razorbacks football. I'll make sure to drop a link in the show notes with the all-in toolkit. And I'll even throw in a link to a video of a hog call. It is really something to behold. Uh, Jeff Adams, I'm the director of special education within the Office of Special Education for um, Arkansas's Department of Education. How would you describe All In? So All In is our state's approach to ensuring that learners have access to meaningful educational experiences. And for our particular work, that heavily centers around students who um, have disabilities. So we are heavily focused on making sure that students get access to general education environments or least restrictive environments, but that initial consideration is always general education. All students are general education all the time. And that's really the essence of All In. But we have initiatives, strategies, um, professional learning opportunities that all feed into that one interstate highway. So we have multiple access ramps to the interstate. 
And so we have smaller initiatives feeding into that larger initiative, but the interstate really is the all-in initiative. Mm -hmm. uh, and you've developed a uh, an online resource for uh, people in the state, is that right? We, ha we have done that. We have um, a toolkit, an all-in toolkit, which has considerations for inclusive practices for various stakeholders within our system. Um, that includes parents as experts within that system, administrators, general and special educators, related services, and really the information is not that different, but it's geared toward those various stakeholders and um, the language within the, the toolkit is geared toward those specific audiences to make sure that um, the information is calibrated to uh, making sure that they understand what this is all about. And the, the end goal of All In, um, like what are the outcomes that you're looking for? Ultimately, we want to see the gap, the disparities that exist within our data, um, ELA, math, all subject areas. Um, we want to see that gap narrow and eventually be eliminated. Um, that sounds like a large task, but we believe it's possible. Um, we want to see individual students, though, within their own trajectories have significant growth. So we want to see individual students uh, meet growth expectations or actually exceed those expectations. And then really what we want are productive Arkansans who have meaningful post-secondary outcomes, but we realize that that occurs when they're in early childhood. We start making those decisions on behalf of students that affect their trajectories. And if we're going to have meaningful post-secondary outcomes, our system has to be aligned throughout early childhood, throughout K-12, into those post-secondary experiences. And so, um where so if you were to describe what what we did today like what what was today all about and and where are we so today we you facilitated professional learning experience for our professional technical assistance arm of the department of education office of special education so these are experts in the field and yet getting a group of experts to coalesce around a mission to agree upon to a large extent what the mission is, uh, that's what we worked on today, is really looking at what does inclusion mean for those of us who are investing in educator um, experiences and student experiences at the local level. Do we agree on that? Do we have a mutual understanding of what that is? Um, we worked through teaming processes to get to those agreements and to process areas where we may lack agreement. And then we, we really worked through ideas of what are our structures revealing to us? Do our structures that we have in schools, does, does the master schedule, does, um, do, do the decisions we make in IEP team um, decision moments, are those reflective of what we then say we agree upon with inclusion and inclusive practices. And so we we worked with people who are gurus, experts in the field, to have them think through our collective understanding as compared to just an individual understanding. Okay, and then final question for you. Um, 
Why is this work important to you, Jeff Adams? For multiple reasons, but I would say because I have a single student in mind who impacted me early on in my career, who at the time I would have questioned what the outcome would would be and why we should focus heavily to intervene. Um, Some had given up on this student. She was very medically fragile. Um, One could question if, you know, she had capable skills to communicate and to learn. And I think through, through this student, I realized how capable she was, how, how strong she was with um, being able to um, communicate even though she didn't speak, um, to express herself through learning opportunities, though the way she expressed herself was different than the majority of students. And to see her go from a place of complete isolation to a place of full participation in life, though it still looked different uh, for her in, um, in comparison to many other citizens, she became a productive citizen with a job, productive citizen of society. She was fully involved in life. And so seeing that one student and realizing that we have almost 70,000 students in Arkansas on IEPs, to presume competence and to expect that all students can learn at high levels, that's why it matters to me is because I know that it happened for her, that one student, if it can happen for her, it can happen for all. Thanks, Jeff. For more information about inclusive education or to learn how you can partner with MCIE on school transformation or professional learning opportunities, visit MCIE.org. Love Think Inclusive? Here are a few ways to let us know. Rate us on Spotify or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Become a patron like these fine people and get extra stuff. Thank you to Aaron P., Jarrett T., Joyner A., Kathy B, Mark C, Gabby M, and Kathleen T. We appreciate your continued support of Think Inclusive. Think Inclusive is written, edited, designed, mixed, and mastered by me, Tim Viegas. Original music by Miles Kredich. Additional music from Melody. Thanks for your time and attention. And remember, inclusion always works. And I loved how you said you're you're not an extrovert because I am the quiet one in my group of friends. <laughs> and they're just like, so you create a podcast and you <laughs> Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> like and you and you have jobs where you like talk to people. Like, wow. Oh like, my gosh. Really funny. It's so true. <laughs> From MCIE.